If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Softrep.com, on time, on target, and next to me is someone that the audience hasn't seen in, like, months at this point if they exclusively listen to Softrep Radio, because we have been doing Power of Thought. But. Yeah, no, it's good to be back on the show. It, it was tough to leave. I mean, Softrep Radio, we started five years ago, and at, wow. the, t- at the time we started it, it was the only really yeah. a- outlet where people had access to guys from the special ops community um, and I find it so ironic, and we'll get into a little bit in, in a bit, um, that a lot of the same guys that used to really give us a hard time now have their own podcasts, their own books. And so I, and I think that, you know, I, I understand it. It's like when you're a- on active duty, you don't have the same perspective as you do when you're outside and you realize, okay, being a Navy SEAL or, or Green Beret is great, but now that I'm out and have a family to feed and have to put food on the table... You know, what What are my sources of income available to me? You know, guys start training schools, they start companies, they go work for companies, um, or they they want to write their story. And I think that's great, but I it's just funny to me. I'm like, oh, okay, like there's some big names out there that were really harsh on on what, you know, Jack and I were doing. And I almost feel like we were the first, soft rep was the first through the door yeah. and took a bunch of fire and kind of cleared the house, right, to put it in soft perspective. We've done the house clearing. It's all clear. And now these guys are kind of coming in the back back door and, and really not taking the same kind of heat that we did. It, it sounds like you want to get right into this topic then because we're... Uh, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's what you're addressing. So Yeah, no, I, I mean... Uh, I know that you told me about this Andy Stump thing and, and I said to you, to be honest, I, I don't know the name. He's yeah. not on my radar. So, like, I just don't. <laughs> yeah, not, I mean... It's not like I put... I don't, I don't know who he is, so... Yeah, I mean, and I'll, I'll get right into it. I, I just felt like this audience was appropriate, sure. pl- an appropriate place to kind of address this. You know, a- Andy's a guy I've never served with, um, and, and I, have a, I have a rule that, um, you know, several years ago I just decided to, to just avoid all the SEAL drama. And, and my other rule is like, if I don't know a guy, like I get asked all the time, like, hey, do you know this guy? Like, what's his reputation? I'm like, no, I... I I don't know him. I never serve them. And I just, you know, unless I've actually served with somebody, I just don't, you know, get, get into it. Yeah. That's it. And so, um, but it came up, you know, I had a couple of fans reach out and say, Hey, this guy, Andy has a podcast and he, you know, he had something to say about you. Um, you know, does it bother you? Do you have any plans to go on a show? Um, 
And to be honest, like I'm used to it by now. Like these guys, especially there's, there's like three or four guys that routinely pipe up and these guys are typically, um, you know, guys that I serve one guy I serve with that was not the best team guy. He got rolled into my, uh, golf platoon, uh, for, for dive, uh, we do these training blocks. So a platoon will go through a 12 back in the day. It's, um, it's different now, but they go through like a 12 month training cycle or 18 month training cycle. You'll do a land navigation, dive, diving, uh, CQB, like kill house work, fighting, um, you know, all this, these training blocks. Well, you know, my favorite fan out there, which will rename, re, remain nameless, got rolled into our training block because he didn't pass in his own platoons training block. And I remember having like my chief was pissed because these two guys, him and his partner got rolled into our platoons training. And so we'd finish our dives at like midnight. We'd started like when the sun sets eight, eight or 9 p.m. And and we're waiting till like two in the morning for these guys because they can't they can't pull their head out of their ass and and figure out how to navigate underwater. And I remember my chief coming up to me. He's like, hey, you went to buds with this guy. You know, what's up? Because they, they wanted, they were talking about uh, doing a chief's board on both these guys. And, and what that is, is it's like a competency board where they yank your trident and send you back to the Navy. Um, and so, you know, it's guys like that, you know, and, and I, I wrote about in the red circle very candidly, probably almost too candidly. And I, and I think now that that's out there and they're dealing like their, their own insecurities about it, then there's guys that were kicked out for drug use. Like literally, I, I know one of these guys, I looked at his profile on, on, on Instagram because one of the guys popped up and I'm like, oh, that guy? I'm like, that guy literally got kicked out of SEAL Team 5 for drugs and, and steroids. So it's like now these same guys are out there dogpiling on, on guys that are out being successful and they're some of the worst team guys in the bunch. And I think it's important for the listeners to understand it's just like professional sports. You have, you have, you know, you're the 90% of the guys that are doing good stuff and you're always going to have 10% that pop up. They're going to, you know, you see it, you know, all over the place, NFL, major league baseball, any professional sports guys, you're like, why would that guy beat his wife and get arrested? Why would that guy do drugs? You know, yeah. it's it's just it happens. It's it's the nature of the you know the world we live in. Um, you know, but I just wanted to take a, f- a couple seconds just to address because because you know, so Andy's on his show and he brings up this integrity issue, and that he what I find a little offensive is that he f- he acts like he's speaking for the SEAL community. Yeah. He doesn't. Nobody speaks for the SEAL community. Absolutely. There is no that formal... I agree with, for Yeah, sure. there is no formal voice. I mean, if anyone speaks for the SEAL community, it's the, you know, the I would say the person in charge of WarCom, which I believe is, in, is a captain. I often but, say doing this show that, you know, it, it's it's like cliche at this point, but the military is not a monolith, but... You, we've had so many different guys in this show, and I realize like you get all of them in a room together, and they're going to disagree on a whole lot of things, and it doesn't take away from their expertise or their or their service. Like you guys aren't all the same. The Navy SEALs don't stand one way on like every issue. You know, yeah, it's one of the most as an outsider who went to work overseas in Iraq, um, 
in a, as a contractor and got to work with a lot of different units, guys from different units, from the Marine Corps, from Army Special Forces, from the Rangers. Um, I realized, because I, I got out with a little bit of a arrogance and a chip on my shoulder coming from the SEAL community, um, and then I realized, wow, these guys are all like us. We're all cut from the same cloth, pretty much. And and I got to, to work with these different guys. But the other the thing that became very clear to me was, wow, like the SEAL community compared to all the other branches, we're one of the worst for eating our own. And, and I don't know if it's just because the hyper competitiveness, the, the kind of like type A personality. And I talk about this in business all the time because a, a guy's, guys um, think all these Navy SEAL skills translate into business and they just, not all of them do. There's a lot that, that really do, but there's ones that don't are this like short-sighted, you know, backstabbing, um, short-term vision, you know, business is about building trust over the long term. Um, you know, you can't settle disputes by yelling and bullying and threatening to kick somebody's ass like that. You know, sometimes I wish that was the case in business, but it's just not like yeah. it. I mean, look at the world we live in, right? You, you can barely uh, pay a woman a compliment without getting, fu- yeah. you know, written up on a sexual harassment I don't harassment think Bill charge. Gates is kicking anybody's ass. And yeah, and an example that might... hard to find someone more successful you know, in business. And so. I'll, I'll give people an example. I, when I lost my first business, this training facility I was trying to develop with SEAL Partners, I had, you know, the Sierra Club, which is going after us hard, and the Sierra Club chapter in San Diego, and... You know, they would show up and have access to this information. I'm like, how are they getting this information? It turns out, you know, after I lost the business, um, there was another team guy that had a competitive project a few hours north, and he was feeding the press like all this bad misinformation on the project, myself, the other guys involved. And when his project blew up, you know, and it was like, I think he had three or four. SEAL team partners, they all sued each other. Then these guys mailed me in these blank envelopes, like internal emails. And that's when I knew it was this guy um, trying to sabotage my project. Um, and, and, and then, you know, they dumped all the stuff on me. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? You know, yeah. and they were like suing each other in court. And it's just an example, like, you know, not all SEALs are good guys. And, and a lot of these guys get out and they think the same things that made them successful in the SEAL teams are going to make them successful on the outside, and it's just not the case. Um, so in, in Stump's case, he's he's a former dev group guy. He's got a lot of friends there still. The news have, as, you know, if you d- it doesn't take much to dig into the news and look at the New York Times, um, the Captain Phillips raid, and see, like, there are a lot of bad stuff happening in that command. And... and and I don't want to, you know, I, I never served there, but I know I have friends that were there, friend, good guys that would come to me and say, hey, this is going on. And I'm like, that's crazy. Uh, the news have been full of bad reports on stuff happening at that particular command from drug use, embezzling government funds, and, and even murders. So, you know, it's did... In the early days when guys were coming to me from the command, guys I serve with uh, in my peer group and say, hey, there's a lot of bad stuff happening, um, a few guys stepped forward. I mean, the the New York Times didn't use us as a source when they broke all that bad stuff about SEAL Team 6. Um, you know, they, they had their own sourcing. That, that's the way, that if anyone understands journalism and the news, like they have to get their own, their own sourcing. But I think because Soft Rep touched on it, briefly before Jack and I realized, look, there's just no, 
there's no reason for us to get in, involved in this stuff. It's just going to create more drama and, and stir up, um, stir the pot. And we just, we have better things to do. Um, but we got the, a lot of the anger and frustration got channeled at, at Jack, myself and, and soft rep because we did touch on it. Um, you know, and, and Andy sitting back here parroting some of the old claims about my book, which I've, I have specifically addressed, um, multiple times. And even people can go back and look, uh, at a piece I wrote called the Navy SEAL veteran infighting phenomenon. I covered everything in that piece, including, um, the fact that, you know, here's a guy like, um, my number one fan who will remain nameless, you know, trying to, you know, say I was, I was on the same unit as Brandon and, you know, this didn't happen, that didn't happen. And then I said, look, I got, I called up our old, um, Pete Morlock, which actually now he, I think he still does some writing for SoftRep, and said, Pete, look, you're kind of, you're not in the teams, but you're attached to our platoon, like specifically attached to um, to our platoon at this operation where this guy keeps trying to to seed uh, doubt. So just give me a quote. And he's he gave me this quote, which I put in this article, he's, and I'll read it. He says, as someone directly involved in operations with Echo Platoon on the ground in Zawarkili, I can fully support Brandon's account as told in a red circle. So here's like an uninterested guy, no dog in the fight. And, and the other thing too, um, I put up front in the book as, as a lot of guys do that you alter places, names, events, like you change things. Uh, and then, so, you know, these guys use that against you and it's just crazy. Like it's becomes this like, um, of course, this operation was was changed or this date was moved. Like I did it on purpose, and I says right up right up in the fucking front of the book. So mm-hmm. um, then, um, you know, after the Niger thing, right? And I'll address the Niger thing. I woke up on a Monday, went to the gym, worked out, went for a swim, got out, and it's all my social media was just blown up. And it was like, Niger this, Niger that. I called up Jack. I said, like, what the hell is going on with this? And he, he explained, like, yeah, we just published this video. And he, he kind of explained it all. He's like, we're take, taking a lot of heat over it. But he said, me and the guys think it's important to, you know, put this stuff out there. And, and at, when I looked at it, as people were having this emotional reaction, for, for one, I supported Jack and the guys. My only input was, look... You know, whoever did that video edit, it looks like shit. And they put this massive soft rep watermark over it. You guys got to remove that. I said, it's just going to look bad. Um, and I said, why didn't this, like this type of content needs to, like we need to. Yeah. And type. I know Jack felt the same way. The yeah. problem is, I, I believe it was what, uh, like 2 million hits by the time. Yeah, but I, we pulled it down. Yeah. Because we didn't give a shit about having a video with 2 million hits. We, we'll, of course, we, yeah. What the guys cared about was. And by the way, we like we address. It's not like that video was not monetized on YouTube. It wasn't. We weren't getting paid for the amount of clicks. And as Jack has said on the podcast, he's like, "I make a salary. I don't get paid, you know, for how many clicks we're getting on articles." And yeah, and the point was, it was something that the guys felt they knew they were going to take heat on it. Yeah, and they felt that nobody even remembered those guys in Niger because it was. Three, four months, it was gone pe- out of people's memory. So if anything good came of it, it was that it brought it back 
it brought it back in the in the conversation that look we lost these guys people didn't even know we had u.s special operations in africa um and they didn't they forgot these these guys lost their lives so and, and that was the purpose of the posting that video is like look this is people need to know like this is serious stuff we have this vague foreign policy and and good guys are dying and not necessarily for a good cause right and that that was it, it needed to be presented and and as you and I talked before the show gold star uh parents emailed both Jack and myself and said, you know, this is really tough to watch, but I really understand and, and support what you guys are doing. Um, and again, you know, you get these, the guys that are just waiting to talk shit about soft rep jumping on and, yeah. and acting like they speak for the gold star community. It's not the case. Um, so that, that was the Niger thing. I had nothing to do with it. And, and, and I remember all these guys are, you know, I had my, you know, people that care about me, like, what are you guys doing? You should pull this down. I was like, look, guys, for one, it wasn't my call. I support the decision and I'll stand by that because look, I'm, I'm the CEO of the company, but it's not, it wasn't my editorial call. I support the decision that the guys made. I didn't even know about it. You know, I, I went in after the fact and, and just said, look, we got to clean up the logo and, and, and do an edit on the video. So it's more presentable. And so people don't automatically jump to the conclusion that somehow we're, we're monetizing the video. Yeah, exactly. To your point. I, had a, I had a weird reaction the same <laughs> way in that um, I, the night before, one of the guys on the site hit me up and said, hey, what's the password to get into the YouTube channel? And I'm like, oh, it's a writer for the site. Here you go. Wake up the next morning and I saw this controversy. Friends of mine texting me who don't even really listen to the podcast or know what I do. Like not all my friends listen to this or, or even know what I do. And they're like, don't you work for this site? What's going on here? And Yeah. Yeah. It was and just, so... You know, again, this guy, um, you know, Andy Stump, that I guess he claims he speaks for the community, which he does not, um, says you need to come on. We, I think the initial dialogue was, oh, let's go on the podcast. And I said, okay, we'll come on with Jack because he runs. Like, and you're talking about his podcast, not this podcast. You know, it was originally soft rep. And then he's like, no, come on my podcast. And I said, look. I'm not interested in coming on. I said, like, if you want to come on, you bring Jack. He's like, no, I don't want Jack on the show. And, and when I started thinking about it, I was like, okay, why wouldn't you want Jack on the show? You're, you're asking about Niger. This Jack is the editor-in-chief. I think, honestly, Andy was afraid to, to go on a show with Jack Murphy because Jack asks tough fucking questions. He's one of the smartest guys I know, and yeah. he's not afraid. He's been very critical of, of Andy's former command, and I honestly think, thinking back on it, that Andy was just afraid to have Jack on the show. Um, me personally, you know, a guy like I don't have any interest in going on a show with Andy when a guy literally basically tries to elude that I'm, I'm lying about my book without the guy never served with me. And he's, he's using these like non credible sources that, you know, guys, some of the worst guys in our community as like, as a source. And I just, you know, I think that when he's trying to level these like false accusations of embellishment, knowing that they've been credibly addressed by other eyewitnesses, there's just nothing for us to talk about. It's all coming from a place of bad faith on his part. And he wants to stir up drama and controversy. I'm not people that follow me and look at the kind of content I produce and the businesses that I run. I'm over it. I don't have time to go on like a Maury Povich style, 
uh, environment and like battle it out and, and talk shit back and forth. Like that's not, that's not what I'm about these days. Um, and I know for a fact that Andy has gone around trying to like talk shit to other sponsors cause they've called me, you know, that's what guys like Andy don't realize. They think they're playing this like cool guy card and then it backfires on them. And that, that is exactly what I, when I talk about to young uh, military entrepreneurs, I say, look, there's, there's going to be skills that translate really well, like execution, leadership, um, your ability to, to get shit done. And then there's stuff that you're going to have to leave behind because it just doesn't translate well to the business community. You know, you can't sit there and, and think that you're going to have these short-term gains and, and talk shit about people mm-hmm. and it's not going to come back on you because people remember. And it took me a few years to realize that in business, it's about the long game. And it's about establishing yourself as a professional and building trust. So, look, I have no interest in going on a show with Andy Stump. It does me no good. I have much better things to do with my fucking time. I'd rather spend it with my kids. I'd rather spend it with my friends, my family. And and that's the bottom line. I I have a rule. It's a no-asshole rule. I'm at a point in my life where I just don't don't have time for it. And the one thing that I've learned... um, you know, losing a lot of friends in the, the community is time is our most valuable asset. And does and, and I always make this kind of decision, and, and it's around purpose. And I think, you know, we can get into it. Uh, we'll get into it when we talk about my book, Mastering Fear. Purpose is a great... Once you have purpose in your life and opportunities come up, even good opportunities, if they don't align with your purpose, there's just no reason to, to pursue it or... or or have any anything to do with it? It just does. It's just a waste of time, you know. If it doesn't align with your purpose, um, I ask people want to meet me all the time, buy me a drink. Unless I want to truly get to know the person, mm-hmm. there's just no reason. Like why I I don't know you um, from Adam, and you know you want to go out and, and do this and pitch me some crazy ideas. Like it's just. But it's uh, also it's not like you're hard to. I mean, you did a book signing recently, yeah. which we'll get into. So it's like people could. It's not. It's not your hard guy to meet if you want to come meet you and, and, you know, discuss yeah, and, your work. Or you know, just the final thing, I, I'm really proud of my service. Um, you know, I put my, my record up against any of those guys that are out there talking shit. And, you know, I just, you know, when you really look at the facts, you, you don't get ranked number one, which I was when I went to training uh, detachment, number one in the command, meritoriously promoted to E6, running the sniper course as an E6, as a sniper course manager, which on the East Coast was filled by an E8, a senior chief position. It's one of the reasons why when I put my chief's package in, I made chief first time. I was literally doing a role that was two ranks uh, above because um, one of the master chiefs that, or sorry, the senior chiefs that recruited me uh, to come down to the course, who was a team six guy, put me in charge because he's like, you're the you're the best qualified. So you know, my record stands for itself, you know, and that's it. And uh, hopefully um, that addresses that. But on to what I really want to talk about is, you know, my book, Mastering Fear. Well, I, I know you also want to talk about the transition. Oh, yeah, thank you. I knew so. that's the reason why we, why we have Ian <laughs> on the show. Um, the other thing, since I'm on, on Soft Rep Radio, uh, you know, we had some questions about the name change uh, from Soft Rep to News Rep. What 
the guys and I have been discuss- discussing for over a year is the fact that we built this great community and following at SoftRep. Uh, we break a lot of mainstream news. And, and I think because of our name and, and the, how we position the SoftRep brand, um, a lot of other mainstream outlets come, like, literally camp out on the site and and use a lot of the, the Jack's work, the guy's work, to, oh, yeah. to go on and kind of do their own stories and, and kind of leverage of it. Yeah, and, and sometimes... Stuff out, with China. Yeah, and sometimes outright copy the work. Uh, dude, yeah. I've, I've written one article for the site, and it got completely copied and yeah. pasted by a site <laughs> in New York. Yeah. I, I wanted to go to their office and be yeah, like, dude, yeah. so what's it happened. Going on? <laughs> and so we said, look, let's... When what we figured out when we looked at the, you know, I, I looked at the data and I like making data driven decisions these days is that people, we knew people would come to the site, maybe find an article interesting, but they didn't intuitively get that SoftRip was a news site. And as we kind of went, as we grew up as a news organization and we started breaking big stories, then the name was holding us back to new audience. So the, the people that knew us and the community that we built, they know what we get, they know what we do, but it was whole, limiting the site's ability to reach a much more global audience. And so we said, look, let's... So when people now read a story and find it on Google, they click on it and they see news rep and our new tagline, they're going to know right away that this is a news site. Like, this is where they are, and they're going to save it on their browser, and they're going to come back as opposed to, to SoftRep before being, oh, you know, some guys, we'd get emails that said, hey, do I, should I even belong here? I feel like I'm in like a special access area of a government site or something. So it, it, the purpose of it was to reach a much larger global audience, um, also in, incorporate our community and membership into uh, the War Room, which is a, which is a subscriber community. Mm-hmm. Um, so have the War Room as that community where... Uh, our subscribers can interact, and all the soft rep lo- loyalists can get in there and interact with the writers, and and would we'll do weekly Q and A, special stories, that kind of thing. But as an outward facing uh, organization, you know the site is going to be called NewsRep uh, for those reasons. So hopefully that addresses uh, a lot of people's concerns, and and, and, and they see the the valil- validity of it. Yeah. And the one thing I'll add, the, the piece that we decided to add on was and really focus on, aside from foreign policy, domestic security, some military stuff that's that's mainstream and important, we were adding financial reporting based on how does global conflict affect the, the world of, of finance? Yeah. Like how, how does this issue in Syria affect a publicly traded company on the New York Stock Exchange. And that's something not even the Wall Street Journal is doing. And so I think uh, that's going to add real value to the conversation, especially to the world of finance. And I'm excited, the most excited about that and and building out that capability. Uh, And I know the guys were talking about, uh, uh, you know, a paid newsletter uh, once a month that really is focusing on that, like the finance world. And also be able to bring in guest writers like my friend uh, Kamal Ravikant, uh, who we'll talk about in a bit. Kamal writes one of the most popular um, crypto newsletters in the country. I think it's the largest, and it's people pay a lot of money uh, for that newsletter. 
And I'm excited to have Kamal kind of weigh in because crypto is is changing the world, like cryptocurrency. Um, and that's exciting and in ways that, you know, people may be listening and say, okay, well, yeah, what do I care about a publicly traded company and how, how does that affect me? Well, it's there's other things too. It's like what's happening um, in global finance. Like how does the uh, collapse uh, or the, you know, potential collapse of China's economy affect the U.S.? Because look, China... China has, is very economically tied to the U.S. They have they own a lot of our debt. Um, they're a massive trade partner. Uh, depending on what data set you look, they are now the largest uh, global economy. You know, we were number one, and uh, they're you know they're for all intents and purposes number one now. Depending on how you read the data, but either way, in a few years they're they're going to surpass us, um, and so that affects. You know our economy back home. It affects job opportunity. Um, you know, I talked about on my Instagram live last night about um, this coming recession. Like all the signs are there that we have a recession coming. You know, e-commerce is just destroying ground floor retail and and all major metropolitan cities. If you walk on Main Street in New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco. Uh, Cleveland, you're going to see ground floor retail spaces vacant because the e-commerce, the market is still there. It's just it's shifted online. So um, luxury real estate has taken a hit. Real estate, as I know your your mom is in real estate, it has softened Still doing up. well, though. Yeah, no. I mean, real estate, you're always going to do well in yeah. certain markets. But, it, you know, like anything, it goes up and it goes down. I, I got on the phone with my investment rep at USAA. I've been a member of USA for a lot of, lot of years. And I said, sell out my entire uh, stock portfolio. I'm putting it into a CD just to hold it. Cause I, I don't, nobody can predict when the recession is coming. I just want to keep it cash. And when it hits and gets close to the bottom, I put it all back in. I'll also throw in there. One thing I do follow is precious metals. The, the price of platinum plummeted, the price of silver plummeted. Like now is the time to buy precious metals as yeah. well. Yeah, so um, anyway, guys, uh, hopefully that explains the the name change. Um, well, I, th- I think the one other question listeners might have is it's not going to affect the name ch- the name of this show. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, and, and we're having a place for SoftRep to integrate into the um, into the new site as well. But this show is like not changing whatsoever. I mean, it's people know what SoftRep Radio is. Absolutely, because there's so many people just subscribed on their iPhone or their yeah. Android. And, and it's like, I, I think we've real, I've certainly realized that like just the name soft rep radio, at least for particularly what I do, like it's bigger than you. It's bigger than Jack. It's bigger than me. It's just this yeah. with the guests that we've had on, but between Rob O'Neill, Brad Thor, like it is just this respected name yeah. in and, podcasting. And I, and I, you know, I talked to, um, we're, we're working with, uh, you know, I'm, well, I'm not working with yet, but we had a, some PR folks and I, I'm interviewing a couple PR firms in in the city, and and when they found out we were how much money we give back and how much support we give back to veterans' causes, they're like, "You guys need to do a better job of explaining this." So, for one, thank you for your support of the show, and if you're a subscriber to any one of our our products, uh, whether you're a Team Room subscriber, Cray Club subscriber, Kuna Kuna Dog subscriber. Um, you've got to know, like this company not only employs a lot of veterans, um, we give back like last year. Um, I mean, it, 
it's over six figures and give back and, and support. And, and also, you know, I, th- and I think you got to pick a charity too. I yeah. said, look, everybody in the company gets to pick a charitable cause. And I'm pretty sure 90% of the charities picked were, were, you know, some type of veteran cause charity. Yeah. Mine was horses for heroes with yeah. uh, our friend Rick Iannucci. Yeah. And, and that, and I did that to show internally to the company, look, we care and we give back because giving back is what it's all about. Um, and, and so not only are, as a listener, are you supporting, you know, a veteran owned company, uh, we, you're also supporting the community because we give back to a ton of, uh, of the really good veteran, uh, run charities out there. So, uh, without, without saying anything more, I think we can get into yeah. Oh, Fear. absolutely. And thanks guys for, for bearing with me on the, on the, the fucking sealed drama, I just felt it. I was, feel like it's pent up inside you because you haven't been on here. Yeah, and, I haven't uh, been on it, you know, <laughs> and, it, and it's just like, you know, I'm like, you know, here we go again, you know, yeah. and I felt like, look, um, this Andy guy, I wish him the best. I honestly do. I, I hope he finds perspective and, you know, I can sit here and go, look, I get what he's doing. Um, and hopefully he, he learns and matures and finds perspective because what he's doing is in my eyes, just, it's counterproductive to his own brand personally. And, and I can sit here and objectively look, I went and looked at his Instagram, uh, when he first started, you know, kind of coming on the scene, the guy's doing a lot of good stuff. And so I just think if he focuses on the positive stuff in his life, um, he's going to be way more successful because what a lot of guys like him don't realize when they're out there, you know, trash talking other people is there's people listening and some people may nod their head and smile and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they get on the phone and they call the person and go, hey, do you know that this guy's out there saying this stuff? Because that's what's happening in Andy's case. I've had several big brands call me up or one of the guys and say, hey, this guy's kind of saying this. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, you know what? Look, whatever. Uh, we know what we're doing. And the key to being successful in life and business is holding your integrity and, and it's consistency. It's staying consistent, consistent, consistent. It's one of the things I love about Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, and I, I talked to Gary and Cans Lions. You go back and look at those old videos of Gary that they sometimes repost on his, on, and it's Gary V on Instagram. They, he's like in a dark, you know, basement in Jersey in his parents' wine store, just preaching the fucking truth. And you look at those videos and when he had no audience and he's still on point and it just shows you the guy has over, I think, 3 million followers now on Instagram and he's just stayed on point, stayed on message. And he's, he's one of the most positive people I know. It's what I love about Gary. When guys come up to him and ask him questions and they start using excuses, well, this guy did that and that guy did that. He's like, wait a minute, shut the fuck up, focus on yourself. Yeah. I remember I watched an interview. This kid was like, well, the Instagram algorithm this, and it didn't post my photo. He's like, look, you're a photographer. Focus on taking consistent, kick-ass pictures. Don't focus on the fact that the algorithm's not your friend and you didn't get as many likes. Like, you need to worry. You're worried about Instagram. Worry about your fucking trade yeah. and taking good fucking photographs, and the rest happens. And so I think that's a huge lesson. That's why I love... Gary V and I love I've, I've run into him a couple times now um, and we have a mutual friend with Jarek Robbins who's uh, Tony Robbins Great son uh, Jarek 
you know, connected me with Gary and just good dudes. And that's, that's, that's why I'm not going on these fucking podcasts to, to trash talk and stir up drama. I'm like hanging out with these guys that are extremely successful, extremely positive people mm. and they don't have time for that shit. And I, I certainly don't have time for it either. So uh, with that said, I would like to get into yeah, absolutely. Uh, mastering fear out now everywhere that books are sold. Um, and it was just uh, the other night you did a, uh, you did a speaking engagement at Barnes and Noble Kamal Ravikant there, Q&A, yeah. and there were some really excellent um, questions that you took from the audience. I, I, was, I was actually really impressed by just the questions that you got. I mean, the audience was incredibly smart. I was, and that's what, the, what I really enjoy about this category of writing is that, um, you know, I get, I get the military audience and the guys love that shit. They love hearing the stories. But for me, it's like where I'm at in my life now, um, this is the kind of stuff that I really am passionate about and enjoy. Uh, it's leadership. I, I was on the, I was on the Sirius XM Wharton business, uh, yeah, radio, Wharton radio School last business, night. Uh, business radio. Yeah. 132, I think. So you guys want to listen to that? It's ch- channel 132 Wharton business. Yeah. They have on demand. So you can yeah, listen um, back. Yeah. One of the professors, Mike and I talked last night about leadership. Um, so I, I love this new audience and, you know, mastering fear, the, you know, what inspired the book was, you know, becoming really good friends with Kamal Ravikant and Kamal has been, a, uh, I don't know if Kamal has been a guest on Soft Rep. Or yeah, not. yes. So yes. he's, so, Mal, so he's been a guest on the show. Um, those of you guys that don't know who Kamal is, Kamal is actually an army uh, veteran. He did a few years in the army. I think the, um, God, I'm going to s- fuck this up and guys are going to give me shit, but it's, some, I think it's something in the mountain division. Okay. Um, yeah, he's he's spoken about it on the show. I mean, if you guys go back um com slash radio, Kamal's been on, I think, two or three times. Yeah. And so. Kamal, there we go. Kamal is is a great guy. You'd never look at him and say, oh, this guy's an army veteran. No, not at all. Um, you know, he, he did when he, he lost his father and he went on this kind of self-discovery mission, walked the uh, Camino Santiago, which I think is close to 500 miles on foot. In Spain, it's this pilgrimage route. Wrote a book about it called Rebirth, which is a novel, but it's really his life story doing the, the Camino walk. Um, was an early Silicon Valley guy. Um, you know, his, his brother, uh, and he's a partner in, in a com- company called AngelList, which was one of the first kind of syndicates to, to kind of push away the venture capital community. And, and for the tech, the kind of the tech community to, to, to invest in their friends and um, and Angelus is massive. His brother Duvall is a great guy. Um, I follow him on on Twitter. And so now Kamal is fast forward. We we both moved to New York about the same time. We got introduced by a mutual friend of ours. Became quick friends. And over time, I learned Kamal didn't know how to swim. And I was like, Kamal, there's no way that you're going to be my friend. And and we we got to deal with this swimming issue. Because he, he would ask me every now and then, and he'd say, oh, what, what, do you know a good school, an immersion course? Maybe there's just one in Florida. And I just said, look, there's, this is crazy. Like, just give me a week, an hour a morning, Monday through Friday, just commit to me. Um, and, and you'd be the guy because you, I, I know from being friends with you and also just doing this podcast with you that swimming was really your strong suit before anything. Just like yeah. we had Rob O'Neill on here who was like, shooting was his strong suit. Yeah, I'm not... A fast swimmer, but I'm a strong swimmer. Like I could swim for miles and miles. I, but um, you, you, a, a lot of people don't know this. I did the Catalina Classic, which is a lay down uh, paddle race on a paddleboard 
32 nautical miles from Isthmus, uh, Catalina Island to Manhattan Beach. It was one, It was harder than Hell Week. Wow. I'll t- it, it was harder than Hell Week because I had never been. You know, Hell Week and SEAL training, they're constantly pumping calories into you. And for those of you who don't know what Hell Week is, it's a part this of audience the f- knows. <laughs> yeah, but part of the first phase of SEAL training is um, the end of the first phase of the conditioning phase is you go through this Hell Week, five and a half days long, no sleep. Um, but they're pump- pumping you full of calories and you're constantly making you hydrate. And I got way behind the hydration curve and really felt what it, what it was like to bonk uh, 20 miles into the race. And I was doing it in in memory of uh, Mike Bearden, a friend I, I lost in a skydiving accident, which I wrote about it Among Heroes. Mm-hmm. I got to mile 20 and bonked. And I literally, I the last 12 miles, I don't, even, I don't even remember. My mom and family met me on the beach. They said I was completely out of it. I, I literally blacked out and I woke up in the, in the, Navy truck towing the boat that was supporting me for the for the race on the back to San, way to San Diego. Crazy it was crazy. So I, what I was um, going to say though is that from what I know, just from speaking with you in the past, like you're not a guy who went into the seals and thought you were necessarily going to be a sniper. Swimming was your thing. Yeah, I had no. I swimming was my thing. Uh, spear fishing was my thing, and I didn't make the the correlation as a when I was going through sniper training. Uh, people are like, why is Brandon so good at stalking, you know, the, the sneaking around phase? And I realized I just understood as growing up hunting calico bass in the kelp forests off California, shooting yellowtail, tuna. Um, uh, as a free diver, you use the sun position, the kelp, the reef, you kind of slide. You're using all these features, and it's like hunting with a bow and arrow in the forest or the woods. And so, um, yeah, I... I was really good at, at the stalking portion because of my experience spearfishing, but it never shot. Like the shooting was something I had to work really, really hard to, to become good at. Um, but, you know, back to Kamal, you know, I had been an instructor in the military uh, at the SEAL sniper program. I knew how to train people. I'd done, especially went all in on this uh, mental management with uh, my friend Lanny Basham, who's an Olympic gold medalist, who really consulted with us and said, you guys are teaching wrong. I You're... could hold this up. Yeah. Lanny, <laughs> go get that Which book. Which music is a mouse pad. I uh, highly recommend with Winning in Mind and that Freedom and Flight this is, book. Yeah, this is Freedom Flight. He's uh, written a bunch of books. Yeah. And so, you know, I had all this... You know, when Lanny, what he con- the main thing Lanny did for us is you guys are teaching all wrong. You're focusing on negative. You're when you have a beginner, their mind is clear and it's like this blank slate. And if you start pointing out all their mistakes and yelling at them, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, you're filling their head full of bad habits. He said, stop that because you can, chances are the 10 things you're saying wrong to the person, you could probably say two or three things to, to correct the deficiency and you're programming them, you're positive imprinting them for success and you're, you're building a strong foundation of knowledge that way. Um, the other way is much harder and get some guys don't get it and they get left behind. And that, that was what was happening at the sniper course. We're losing 30% of the class. And when we put this Lanny's system in place and we started graduating nearly everybody. Uh, and, and so I said, come on, give me a week. I'm going to teach you how to swim. So I got him in the pool and I thought about, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to teach him? I have to get him comfortable because I know he's, Kamal is afraid of the water. And so how do I build confidence? And so I took it in small steps. 
you know, and from Monday, a guy that wouldn't, wouldn't jump in the pool, he would get climbing on the ladder mm-hmm. and hold on to the side. And I, even I was like, wow, this is worse than I thought. And then I worked on repetition, face in the water, exhale, face out, take a breath over and over. And by Friday, he could jump and do a cannonball, dive down 10 feet and grab something off the bottom with no goggles. And I remember we're on the, we're on the subway back, uh, back to Flatiron where we both live. And Kamal says, you changed my life. You got to write a book about it. You got to write a book. Uh, he wanted, he said killing fear, which I really liked. And I wish I hadn't have pitched the publisher Killing Fear right away, because the one thing I learned about publishing a book, any of you guys that are out there to take notes on this, um, publishers, like your editor always wants to be a part of the process, and they add a lot of good input and value, but if you come to them with a title already, they're going to scrap it and want to change it immediately. And So thankfully, I'm actually happy with Mastering Fear. I got to tell you something great on that (laughs) level. Um, You've seen, this is way out of left field, but it's reminding me of exactly what you're saying. You've seen the Motley Crue Girls, Girls, Girls video with where the the strip clubs, all that. Um, so they've talked about that they they shot that as the original version, and they were like, "Man, MTV's not going to let us put this on." Girls in lingerie and all that. So they shot what they called like an uncensored version with like tits <laughs> out, everything, and they gave that to MTV. And MTV was like, "We can't air this." So then they gave them the original version of what they wanted, and they were like, "Much better, guys. We'll put this on." When they they were like. This wouldn't have aired had yeah. we have not. So smart move on their part. <laughs> yeah, it's a strategy, and I've done. I've learned a lot. You know, you think I would have learned faster by now, but hey, um, it's exactly the case. Yeah, because usually what you do is it's like I could, to be honest, the the red circle, which is my first book. Um, Mark Resnick, who's a close friend of mine now and a brilliant editor at St. Martin's Press. He said, hey, I want more. I, I don't want to hear about your childhood stuff. I could care less. Just focus on the SEALs and the, and your, the time you deployed to Afghanistan. Just like that's enough. And I said, you know what? Everyone asked me, my child, like how, how does a guy like you end up in the SEALs? So I knew that there was this curiosity out there, especially because we had started SoftRep at the time. And so I wrote the, I sold the book he wanted and I wrote the book I wanted. And that was kind of like the Molly Crew thing. Sometimes yeah. you... You just got to get the deal closed and then put it forward. And Mark Mark read it and he says, "Okay, I get it. You win." Um, <laughs> and so, but that was the case. So, yeah, my friendship with Kamal inspired mastering fear um, because he said I changed his life, which which I did, I think. And I'm really well. He even said during the Barnes and Noble discussion, he's like, "You changed my life, and you may have even saved my life in the yeah, future." Because I told him, I said, Kamal you now, like, I know if you fell off the side of a boat, you know what to do and you know how to, to stay afloat and survive. And, and that's, that's what's important. You may not win any, you know, um, triathlons in the swimming category, but you're going to be fine. And, and it's just a great thing, you know, and we, before we spoke at Barnes and Noble, Kamal's like, Hey man, let's go swimming again. And he's even like, my kids are excited because my kids love Kamal. And they're like, hey, can we bring Kamal to the water park? And Kamal's like genuinely excited about it. And and I just, I think we, a lot of us that grew up fortunate enough to swim because our parents got it into us early, like we take for granted, like swimming is fun. Like going down a water slide is fun. Yeah, The water park is fun. Kamal never got to experience any of that as a child. And now to see, like he's actually excited about it as an adult. And so... There's a big water park um, oh, on the West park. Coast. So, yeah, I do too. I still love water yeah. park. So, my kids are like, come on, we got to take them all to the water park. That's so, awesome. 
That'll be uh, cool, man. I, I was going to say, hey with guys. This, I, I was also going to mention that with this book, I feel like I've in some way been a part of the process of this book because a lot of the content yeah. are interviews that you did both on the power of thought and then some soft rep radio content like James Powell, power of thought guys like yeah. CJ Ramon, um, guys like Captain Jerry Yellen, who I, I've said I'm very I'm pretty sure you may have done the last interview yeah. of his life because right after that interview, a couple months later. And Jerry Yellen, for those of you who don't remember, yeah. was the was a World War II P-51 pilot. I don't know if Jerry was an ace, but he flew the last combat yep. mission over Japan, and he was 90... In his 90s, I don't ...or something, yeah. and we did this amazing interview with him, and he found out I was a pilot. We started talking aviation, and he was supposed to come out to New York in March, and we were going to go fly, and I said, look, Jerry, I'm going to take you in my, my RV upside down over a statue, and he was like, bring it on. Like, that's awesome. Um, so it really sucks we didn't get to do the flight, but you know to get that lo- one of the last interviews. And, and Jerry has an amazing story. If you guys uh, just Google him on YouTube, because he's got that incredible story about him, you know, kind of finding peace with with his uh, experience in the war. Yeah, he with says the Japanese it on the culture. I would say and the show too. Yeah, he tells go, a story. Go on the back show. to Power of Thought yeah. uh, with Jerry Yellen and check yeah. it out because it was a great interview. But yeah, yeah that was I, a great show. I feel like a lot of that content was built from great interviews that you've done. No, absolutely, and, and largely a lot of interviews you helped uh, us get as well. And you know, and one thing I realized was that, and the reason I wanted to feature these people in the book like astronaut Scott Kelly, uh, James Altucher, C.J. Ramon. These people in, are very successful in these fields, and we all have this common thread. Yes. Um, and one of them is we all deal with fear. And it's like, how do we, how do we deal with the fear and, the, and this voice in our head that sometimes creeps up that says we're not good enough? And I, I think it's important for people to understand like that, a lot of people they look up to, like we're all human, we all deal with the same shit. And here, one thing I learned in writing the book was when I went to, sat down with my editor and, and John Mann, my writing partner, were like, okay, we gotta build the system. And they pointed at me, like, Brandon, you gotta come up with a system. And I said, okay, let me think about it. And, and I actually you know, created the framework and in John, one of the brilliant things I love about John is he just makes everything I do better. Um, and he's one of the amazing writers I do. Like, I'll think, oh, man, I just really wrote this amazing, you know, 5,000 words. And John will just smooth it over. I go, oh, my God, it's, it, it captures my voice. And he just makes it way, way better. He adds things here and there. Um, he's really good about adding references, like pop culture references, which I always forget to do. Yeah. Because people, that helps people visualize better relate, when yeah. they read. Um, so I learned myself, like, and I actually use this book. I was on vacation in Europe and we had a, you know, a big issue in the company. We're still digging ourselves out of Facebook had censored our, our advertisements and a lot of our advertisements drive revenue. Uh, Facebook had censored us. They said, you guys, they banned all of our ads briefly because they thought we were selling guns on the internet, yep. which was crazy. Um, and we lost a ton of revenue and then we got behind with, with our vendors. And it was a point where I was sitting there going, okay, all hell's breaking loose. What's going on in the business? Why am I in France on vacation? I should be back watching things. Like all this stuff started spinning out of control in my head. 
you know, people like, you know, Anna's calling me, you know, freaking out about vendors, our operations guys calling me. And I just had to think about it and go, wait a minute. Um, I literally pulled up the digital version of Mastering Fear and looked at my own format. (laughs) And I put myself through the process and was able to kind of um, get re-centered and come up with a plan. And one of the things I talked about last night on on the Wharton uh, podcast, because it's all about leadership, I said, I, what I think makes a good leader is, like, anybody could lead an organization with good people and things are going right. You know, it's when shit hits the fan. It's something, you know, whether you get contact with the enemy and the military or in business, all of a sudden you have, like, this Niger issue. You know, we have this controversy over that it's like what you do in those cases are what matters and, and sets you apart because it creates a test of your leadership skill and you have to communicate to the team um, like this is a strategy everybody calm down and um, you know I even ha- I remember having a conversation with Jack Murphy because he was getting a little you know a little bit freaked out because yep. it, it was not um, you know a few people going after that video it was quite a few that oh there were that people were up, saying things really about his daughter. upset yeah really upset yeah taking shots at his daughter so um you know my point is it's you know i took my own advice on this on the book so i actually learned a lot in writing mastering fear myself um you know and and if i would say the one thing i think people are really going to take away is is this self-talk the portion on there and there about self-talk and kind of getting your head clear, um, I think is really going to help people. And it's a lot of, it's not only drawn on my own personal experiences, dealing with fear, like leaving home at 16, having to like, when I first got my job on the scuba diving boat and got certified, I'd only had a handful of dives, the captain shaking me awake at two in the morning saying, you got to go down and get the anchor unstuck and we're at a you know shark infested dive spot was this was a or a seal and sea lion habitat on the backside of San Miguel Island which is this cold like northern island off the off the coast of California i was terrified to like swim down there at 2 in the morning and and have to get the this anchor unstuck but you know it's like dealing with all these fears showing up to buds you know out of shape getting singled out out of 220 uh, people that classed up with my uh, my SEAL training class, 215, and only 23 of us making it at the end. It's all these stories, and then guys like C.J. Ramon uh, talks about going up on stage for the first time and what that felt like. Yeah, with the Ramones. With the Ramones. So it's, you know, it's very real, and it and I think this book, it's it's one of my most, or probably my favorite book to date because cool. it's, it's a book that's, I think, going to help a lot of people. Well, so you were saying that there's like a common thread that all these people in the book have, that they all deal with fear. The other common thread I've noticed um, from being a part of these interviews was that all, pretty much all of these people in the book, from Siri Winley, um, you know, all these people we interviewed on Power of Thought, they believe in like meditation, visualization, yeah. you know, journaling your thoughts. And it's funny, I'm into all of that, you're into all of that, and I meet people all the time who are unmotivated, and they're like, oh, I'm not into all that self-help stuff, I think it's nonsense, but like, you're in good company if you believe in that stuff. Like, everybody from Michael Jordan to all the people in here believe in that, and I I think it's hard to think that it's nonsense when it's a proven thing that all these Olympic champions and just accomplished business leaders are all doing the same thing. Yeah, I mean... It's not that hard. 
w- whatever your profession is, you look at who are the best, what are they doing, and you implement that and you do it. And then you start hanging out with people that are better than you because it forces your level of performance to rise to theirs. Like it's why, um, you know, I hang around with a certain group. I, I'm a, I belong to the Young Presidents Organization, YPO. I have two guys in my eight-person YPO forum that run billion-dollar companies. Like, they're running billion-dollar organizations. And I'm the small guy. I'm probably the smallest business in, in my YPO group. But that stuff rubs off on you, and it raises your, your level up. Yeah. And, and that's what I love about it. And so whatever you want to do, you have to look at what the successful people are doing in that industry, whether it's real estate, sports, you know, a doctor, lawyer, whatever, like whatever you want to do. And I talk about mastering fear, knowing what matters. And a lot of people I don't think spend enough time figuring out what matters to them in their life. And they're drifting through life with no fucking plan. And it's the wrong thing to do. They come up to me um, and a lot of my friends and they say, well, um, I want to be like you. I want to be, I want to have a business. I want to have money. I want to be rich. I want to be successful. And, and I love, I love the, I want to be rich question because I go, well, what does that mean? Like what, how much is rich? Mm-hmm. How much money is rich? And they don't fucking have an answer. They have no clue whatsoever because they haven't gone through the process of what matters. And I've talked about this on power of thought, uh, the whole financial exercise and like why it's important to know your number but I talk about a mastering fear, why it's important to know what matters. Because when you know what matters in your life, whether it's personal, family, business, or professional, then you can, then you can understand like what are the obstacles standing in your way. Is it this person I'm hanging out with that's dragging me down? Is it my insecurity over this issue? But once you know your, your, what matters, everything else becomes easier. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, mastering fear. You know what I wanted to ask you? Um, when I was watching that Q&A at Barnes & Noble, there really were some incredible questions, and it got me thinking, like, what questions do I want to yeah. ask Brandon? So I mentioned this quote on the last podcast. I've mentioned it many times before, but it is my favorite quote, um, the Bruce Lee quote of absorb what is useful, discard what is useless, yeah. add what is uniquely your own. I try to do that with everything. So there's all different types of people you interviewed in the process of making this book. And you're not going to agree with everybody that you interviewed on everything. But like, what's something that you took from one of the people that are in this book and utilized in your own life and said, like, I'm going to start practicing this? You know, uh, honestly, it was um, I had a vision. I have so I I have a vision statement and I'll um, I wish I'm on my IG live right now as we're talking. Um, I I've covered my vision statement before, but I, I have a vision statement, which is kind of like a company's mission statement. It's like, this is who I am and the type of person I, I am. It's like a statement that, and, and sometimes it can be the, the kind of person that you want to be, um, to like to develop into. So I have my mission statement. I have my goals, um, that I review every year and it's personal goals, uh, family goals, business goals, and they're all measurable. There's an acronym called SMART, I think, specific, measurable, and blah, blah, blah. But the, you know, you, and what I mean by that is my goal isn't uh, I want to I wanna lose weight this year. It's like, okay, I want to uh, lose 30 pounds. I'm going to lose you know, 10 pounds by March 1st. Like you just put the, yeah. you got to put specifics and deadlines on there. And 
I have that, and we were talking. We were interviewing. Uh, you got this interview for us, uh, Frank Zane. Frank Zane. He was Frank great. Zane, and he started talking about his mantra. Yeah. And how he reviewed it every morning. And I had already had a... He said that he said it to himself like one million times Yeah, I've already had... I already had a morning routine, which include a short meditation. But I said, you know what? I need to write a mantra for myself. And, and not only do I review the mantra uh, daily in the morning, I review it when I'm off center. Like if I'm having... A, if something nudges me, and we all have this we can all get thrown off center. And if you're like emotional, whether it's sad, anger, uh, whatever, I go back to that mantra and read it over and over again. And it helps me recenter. And that was probably the biggest impact that I, that I've had. And it's, it's an incredibly powerful thing. And, you know, I don't know. I think that's the the one thing that comes to mind when you ask that. Yeah, no, I think that it's it's extremely important. Keeps you in the right mindset. I uh, I've utilized that in my own life. I keep pieces of paper around my house with s- small mantras, and I've had yeah. friends say like, "What the hell is this?" And and it's you're good. like, "It's something to keep me in the right mindset." Yeah, it's positive, positive reinforcement. Yeah, and because I think all of us have you know positive energy and negative energy, and it's like using that, utilizing that to create something, to create something powerful. Um, so any any other like takeaways that, that you want people to get from this before they pick up the book or um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that that are interested in and this is like your third book of this type I should throw out there there's power yeah. of thought total focus and this these are like your three post military books yep and, and this is because I you know I just really like this stuff um, let me see it'd be nice to read a excerpt out of here. I, I actually liked that you put the uh, James Powell story in there. I was looking at that earlier. I, I love that story of him entering the CIA thinking he didn't stack up to these other guys and yeah. this old woman at the desk saying to him, like, you're here. There's a reason you're here. Yeah. I'm going to just read the conclusion, um, and then we'll, uh, we'll call just it a wrap. Just start from the beginning. <laughs> start from the end. Yeah, I'm start from, well, the conclusion, and the reason I, I think the this conclusion is important is because the whole purpose behind mastering your fear, like we all live with fear, either we decide to take control of it and use it to our advantage or it's going to, or let it control us. Mm -hmm. And the more that you do it in small steps, the more it becomes a habit and the more that you're able to kind of take the solo flight. And once you do the solo flight, uh, which I'll read here, it's very, um, it's very enlightening and empowering. And so I'll just read you guys the, the conclusion. Uh, and I quote Theodore Roosevelt, who says, I've never in my life envied a human being who led an easy life. I've envied a great many people who led difficult lives and led them well. And that's by uh, old Teddy Roosevelt. So one chilly day in early 2004, in the middle of an old military airfield, uh, right on the San Diego-Tijuana border, my flight instructor, John Kerry, pulled a surprise. We were taxing, taxiing along the runway when John's gravelly voice suddenly spoke up. Hey, pull over. This is where I hop out. Um, You're going to solo this thing, he says to me. I, I had no idea this was coming. He hadn't given me a clue. Uh, though I didn't know it at the time, this is an old school military aviation tradition. You don't know when you're going to do your first solo flight, and your instructor springs it on you. To be honest, I was kind of floored. Was I ready for this? Uh, but there was no point even asking the question, what was I going to say? No, 
uh, okay, I said. I pulled over. He hopped out of the plane. I accelerated uh, out of the taxi area, um, got permission to take off, pulled back on the stick and took off. And it was, I remember the exhilarating, uh, the feeling of, and being scared at the same time. It was such a rush to actually be in the plane alone and, 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 and fly. Um, not just the thrill of flying, but the flush of new confidence. I can do this, uh, which I think to pause for a moment, that's what I was saying earlier. Um, I did three or four laps around the pattern by myself and that was it. I was hooked in a small plane. You don't have the hydraulics that run the big airplanes. So it's purely mechanical. So you really feel in touch with the plane. When you pull back on the stick for takeoff, you're feeling the actual mechanical resistance of all that wind and air pressure you're pulling against. Uh, we call that kind of flying stick and stick and rudder where you feel the control surfaces, the connection between man and machine and the elements. I love everything about it. There's a little trim wheel that trims the elevator, which neutralizes some of the resistance on, and we get the resistance from the wind and the, you know, depending on the, the pitch of the plane. If you find you're having to pull back really hard, you can trim the elevator, which takes some of the control pressure out of the yoke. John calls it the pilot's best friend. Even today, all these years later, whenever I fly, I still hear his voice in my ear yelling, God damn it, trim the plane, trim the damn plane. After, after you do that first short solo, then they send you out on what they call a cross-country flight, hundreds of miles or more, far enough that you encounter different wind currents, changes in cloud cover, weather changes, changing conditions you have to adapt to all on your own. First, you do it as a dual cross-country which you plan yourself but fly with your instructor. The next flight, you fly it alone. My cross-country solo was from San Diego to Santa Barbara, uh, over 200 miles. It wasn't that challenging, technically speaking, but it was one of the most intense uh, flying experiences I've ever had because I was piloting the plane to a destination by myself. The whole way, I heard John's cracked, weathered old voice in my head, Brandon, please trim the plane before you kill us both. Trim the damn plane. Thank you. Uh, starting my business was exactly like that. One chilly day in early 2012, sketching out a basic website design on the back of a napkin, making the decision to leave my high-paying executive job at L3 and stake my future on that napkin. And that really was a soft rep on a napkin. And, um, and I, you've told me before on the podcast, Crate Club was on a napkin. Yeah. I mean, I've had a couple napkin <laughs> business ideas that do, and a couple go really wrong. Um, so... You know, once you know what it's like to be the captain of your own destiny, you never want to go back. Flying your own plane, captaining your own ship, running your own business, running your own team within an organization, they're all really the same thing. Making the decisions to get from point A to point B, there's a ton of responsibility, and I love it. It's the most amazing feeling. There's a sense of agency, this high you get from knowing that by your wits and thoughts and actions alone, you are making the impossible possible. And I do mean you, because while you may not be a pilot or a sea captain or an entrepreneur or a CEO yet, that doesn't matter. Those are just details. You're the one in charge of your own time, your own life, and your own legacy. They say that when all is said and done, what matters is the love in your life, the relationships, the people you make the journey with. And I believe that. And that's, to pause, that's why you know, at the beginning of the show, you know, I hang around certain people and will only do certain interviews because the people you make that journey with, um, that's what's important. My kids, my close friendships, there's nothing more important to me. 
Still, that doesn't change the reality. The reality is your life is up to you. No one else. Every one of us comes into this life alone, and alone we go out again. Your life is defined by a series of choices, and the one who makes every one of those decisions is purely and solely you. Yes, you have friends, advisors, mentors, colleagues, teammates. You love and are loved by others. Any of us who've been in the armed forces know that we would willingly put our lives on the line for our brothers and sisters, give our lives to save theirs. All that is true, and none of that changes the fact that you are the one running your race, and no one else can run it for you, not even one step. Life is a solo flight. You are the captain, and it's not a 747 with all the hydraulics and fancy equipment and massive automation. It seem, may seem like that sometimes, like you can switch, uh, throw a switch and turn on an automatic pilot and sit back and relax, maybe even catch a few minutes of in-flight movie. But trust me, it's a tiny single-engine craft, no hydraulics, all mechanicals, where you feel the resistance of air pressure pulling against the strength of your arms and shoulders. It's all stick and rudder. And while love and friendship may be the fuel, fear is your navigator, not your adversary, uh, but your co-pilot. It's cracked, weathered voice in your ear saying, please trade, please trim the plane before you kill us. Trim the, ban- trim the damn plane. Um, thank you. And this is where I hop out. You're soloing this thing now. And I can still hear John's voice. Like I, he, I flew, I took him when I bought this old Fuji airplane in Florida off this uh, Marine Corps pilot. And John and I flew this damn plane from Florida through the Bermuda Triangle, uh, to the which was the Bahamas, Turks, Caicos, Dominican Republic, and then out, out to Puerto Rico. How long ago where was this? This was a couple years ago. And we were crazy, man. Like, I think back in that. <laughs> and, like, here I was with John. I thought, you know, he was along with the experience, but he was just barking at me the whole time like I was a day one student. But we had a blast, man. We I sent him a photo of the some of the excerpts that I, I talked about him and our experiences in the book and which he really appreciated. Um yeah, John's almost eighty years old now. He's still flying. Um but he's just a great guy. And we just had this like amazing experience together flying this this old, you know, nineteen sixties uh, military a Fuji war trainer airplane yeah. through the through the Bermuda Triangle with a it's fucking crazy. with instru- basic instruments and a little battery powered Garmin <laughs> GPS dodging thunderstorms in the afternoon. Wow! Um, but anyway, guys, uh, please pick up Mastering yeah, Fear. Yeah, pick up the book. That's just one story of yeah. many in there. So, um, and and I do gotta let you guys you know, are. of course, as we uh, wrap things up here, there's only one club out there with gear handpicked by special operations military veterans from several branches. That, of course, is Crate Club. I'm looking forward to the future collaboration we're doing with NFW Watches for an exclusive Crate Club watch. Uh, That's for premium tier members. Uh, That's coming soon. We have different tiers of membership depending on how prepared you want to be. Gift options are available as well, so you can check that all out at CrateClub.us. Once again, that's CrateClub.us. For your dog owners, we were talking about Kuna Dog earlier. You're going to love this. We've partnered with Kuna. They have a team of trained canine handlers picking out a box for your dog each month of healthy treats, training aids, and it's custom built for your dog's size and age as well. The products are U.S. sourced, all natural, and they not only promote a healthy diet, but also promote being active with your dog. 
Um, so no matter what the size of the dog, there is a Kuna box for you. Uh, you can see all of that at Kuna.dog. That's Kuna.dog. It's sufficient for you. Your dog is going to appreciate it as well, of course. And that's spelled C-U-N-A dot D-O-G. That's C-U-N-A dot D-O-G. And, of course, as a reminder for everybody listening or watching on YouTube, um, for a limited time, you can receive a 50% discounted membership to the Spec Ops channel. That's our channel that offers the most exclusive shows, documentaries, interviews, covering the most exciting military content. Today, we just put up um, in segments the Inside the Team Room Intelligence Edition. Got Sam Faddis on there. James Powell is on there. The Odyssean. Uh, and others, and the Premier Show Training Cell uh, follows former Special Operations Forces as they participate in the most advanced training in the country. Everything from shooting schools, defensive driving, jungle and winter warfare, climbing, and much more. And you can watch all of that content by subscribing to the Spec Ops channel. That's at specopschannel.com. Uh, you can take advantage of a limited-time offer of 50% off your membership. That's only $4.99 a month specopschannel.com. The app is available on Android and iPhone. Chris, our web developer, can't speak more highly of him, did a great job with the app. So, yeah, yeah you can just go on your iPhone or Android, look up um, SoftRep app and the Spec Ops Channel app. It's separate apps. Yeah, and then, you know, it's been a while since I've been on this, the SoftRep show. It has, and I remember when you said you were leaving, I was like, yeah. well, I hope we get you back on when there's something yeah, interesting going on yeah, in the SEAL community. The so, so yeah. I will be back Um Mark my words. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on again, and and also uh, I'm I'm really active on on Instagram and, and kind of push it out to to Twitter and Facebook. But Instagram is where you'll find me these days, and that's at Brandon T Webb. And I've I don't think I have one unanswered direct message or request, so I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty active on there and like to get back to the guys. If it's a respectful question, you guys have. Um, you know, questions about business, flying, uh, selection, all that stuff, you know, throw them, throw them my way. But don't uh, ask what's the hack to become a SEAL. Yeah, don't ask. There's no <laughs> hack there. You got to put it, put in the hard work. Um, yeah, and I was actually thinking about, uh, because I had a couple guys come at me, they're ve- either veterans or from, um, you know, they're trying to start a business and they're like, hey, I want to, you know, I said, look, I want, I want to sit down and pick your brain. And, I said, look, I'm just only, I only have time to do paid engagements. But I started thinking about it because a few of the guys said, look, I'll pay. And I'm like, ah, I don't, you know, I don't want to charge these guys what I would, like a, a big company that pays, yeah. you know, a lot of money to come give a speaking engagement or, or do a consultation. Uh, so I, th- I thought about doing this like uh, thought leaders club or something and charging a few hundred bucks a month and then just giving, like doing a weekly Q&A. Or a phone call, so I'm kind of tossing that around uh, in my mind. So if you guys, if that sounds like something you're interested in, feel free to to hit me on a DM or or uh, let me know. Um, but that's it. You enjoyed being here. Yeah, no, absolutely. Always, always great. And I forget how good a co-host you are because thank got, you, man. The guys, um, someone sent me. Oh, it was at the book signing. A guy came up and said, "I've been with SoftRep from day one, and back when Quinn used to be yeah. on." And he's like, "But honestly." You know, he's like a lot of us had resistance, but actually, he's like, you guys have really elevated the game, and Ian's really brought a lot of different perspectives. So, 
um, you know, good on you. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's funny. I look back at the old reviews, and I did get a lot of heat early on, and then those people have come around. Like CJ Ramon, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Taking over for there, Didi. There's the still, same shit. Yup, yeah. Nobody people likes change. Yeah, people don't like something new. But I still, you know, so I still see reviews every now and again that are like, the show's not the same without Brandon. When are you going to have Brandon back on? Well, hey, that's yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, Appreciate so there's that. definitely people who love hearing you on here. I mean, because yeah. we're all very different, I think. Yeah. And, you, you know, you're a very different voice on here than Jack. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, I completed that Power of Thought series. So, you know, I hope to come back on the show more and, and do more fill-in for, for Jack. But you guys have been doing a, yeah, a great Yeah, it's your job. company, so you're obviously welcome on here anytime. Um, and we've had we've had some colleagues of yours, too. Like J- uh, Jack yeah. Carr was on the show recently and spoke really highly of you. So... Absolutely, man. With that, um, thanks, as always, for checking out what we do. We're ending the live stream here as well. If you want to check out the whole intro we did and you're watching the YouTube, um, go back to the podcast. But for those of you who listen to the podcast, you heard it all. Um, really enjoyed the last episode with CJ Woodruff. And by Mastering Fear, pick it up. Available now. been listening to soft rep radio new episodes up every wednesday and friday for all of the great content from our veteran journalists join us and become a team room member today at softrep.com follow the show on instagram and twitter at soft rep radio and be sure to also check out the power of thought podcast hosted by hurricane group ceo and navy seal sniper instructor brandon webb 